All right, welcome back to Master Your Mindset Podcast. We're on episode 30 today, and uh, we got a very special guest, uh, Levi Jordan. Levi, who's currently playing in the Chicago Cubs organization on their single-A affiliate, Eugene Emeralds, who actually won the league title this past year. Uh, Levi has been on many successful teams throughout his baseball career, including that team this past year, beginning in high school, where he started all four years at Puyallup High School and was one of the top players on the 2014 state championship team his senior year, who was full of studs. After high school, Levi moved on to play baseball at the University of Washington, Go Dogs, where he came in as preferred walk-on and ended up winning his starting position his freshman year at second base, and kept that spot the rest of his time there. And during his senior year last year at the University of Washington, as many of you know, Levi and the Dogs made it all the way to Omaha for the College World Series. And in the midst of the UW postseason madness that Levi was right in the middle a part of, he was drafted 878th overall to the Chicago Cubs in the 2018 MLB Draft and uh, now in the off season right now, so he's got some time to come speak with us. Hope you guys enjoy. So we're about to record the podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome to Master Mindset Podcast. So what's up, man? How are we doing? Doing awesome. Good. This is a first. We have a Facebook Live going, and we got the podcast recording. So we are in Puyallup at New Level, the Master Mindset Studio, and we got three Vikings here, yeah. PHS. So, uh, Levi, what's up, dude? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me out. Yeah. 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 So maybe, maybe walk through what was it like playing in Omaha this summer man it was, maybe explain it was, the whole experience it was a blast we um playing at washington we don't we don't get a lot of fans out because it's cold in the spring <laughs> but the moment we got to omaha we uh we were playing in front of twenty five thousand people and fans yeah. screaming their heads off and real competitive baseball so it was, it was a good time it was a really good time um so yeah i mean it was fun to watch and i know you came across in the Super Regionals, you came across the plate um, for the winning run to win it. Like, what was your, what was your, what were you thinking as you were running down the third baseline at that moment, thinking, "Wow, we're really going to win this and go to Omaha." It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it was so, it was such a distant goal for our mm -hmm. team throughout the spring, right? Like we, we, you know, every team in the country sort of has that goal to get to Omaha, yeah. right, and eventually, you know, win a national championship, but. It was so distant for us because of our situation. We had so many injuries throughout the year, um, you know, and then you blink and here we are in a, in a tie game in the bottom of the 11th or whatever yeah. it is in a super regional. And I'm running to home on a sack fly that, you know, he wasn't going to throw me out. And it was yeah. like, man, we're really doing this, yeah. you know, like this is this is the first time in program history we're going to make it to Omaha. And we're sort of setting the bar for mm -hmm. the rest of the teams going forward. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very cool feeling and I felt very accomplished, you know, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't me that scored mm -hmm. the run, right. It was, it was a complete and yeah. total team effort exactly. that got and us there. And being so. humble. So I like to kind of take it back and kind of get, understand the origin and what kind of shaped your kind of confidence as an athlete and in baseball. I mean, as in baseball, there's a lot of failure, 
So would you say that you're like a very confident player? Yeah, absolutely. Failure is in baseball. It's, it's controlled failure. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's supposed to happen, I guess, if that makes sense. Like your, your success in the game is just how little you fail, you know, and the best players in the game are the ones who fail the least. So confidence is sort of, you know, there's a strange source in the game of baseball where you get your confidence from. And it's just, you know, having that objective of getting better every day and accomplishing small tasks. And I call them daily goals, you know, because if you are always set out to accomplish long-term goals and more challenging goals, you might not, uh, you might not accomplish those in a short amount of time. But if you set daily goals, like I'm going to, I'm going to practice hard today, or I'm going to, I'm going to give a hundred percent of my effort into these next three outs during this, this next inning, you know, whatever, if you set your goals, you know, smaller and achievable in the game of baseball, that's where you build, you're building your confidence because you can accomplish those goals more frequently. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they snowball into a bigger goal, like going to Omaha. So, so um, at what moment did you realize I'm like really good? <laughs> <laughs> like, was there a moment? Was there a game? Was there um, as a kid? Like, when did you realize like I'm, I'm skilled at, at baseball? Skilled is probably a better way to put it. It's hard to say. I'm really good. Because I know you're humble, but like, but I'm, so we're trying to give the, the mental skills to help people. Right. So I think it starts by having that kind of self-belief mm-hmm. and then it's, it's your actions. Yeah. It's, dr- I, it's drive. So success, the equation oh yeah. drive plus belief mm-hmm. times patience equals success for sure. Drive and belief. But would you say your confidence came more from a drive? than just like, man, I'm just really good at baseball. Because like in basketball and baseball, it's very skill-based. Right. Like I can dribble for three hours a day every day, and I can probably be a really good point guard. Mm -hmm. And as a shortstop and a hitter, Mm -hmm. I might not have every tool imaginable, but like if I just work on my craft over and over again and build that confidence, so I'm totally answering for you. No, no. So (laughs) Your equation, right? So there's drive, right? And – and belief, yeah. right? Those two right there are huge for me. Like I, I'm a very driven person to beat the guy next to me, right? Or I, I'm like ultra competitive to a point where if I see that I'm not as good as the guy next to me, that bothers me. You know what I mean? And and I am driven to to spend I don't know my whole life, no matter what it is, baseball, life, being a friend, dealing with relationships. Like I'm set out to be better at them every single day, better than I was the day before. And that's mm. where my drive comes from. And that developed at a young age. My, my dad taught me when I was young that, uh, you know, it's an, an important skill in life to be a finisher, right? And whatever you start, you have to finish. And, you know, that's another good source of where your drive as a human being can come from is, is, you know, I'm motivated to finish this task, whatever it is. And so, in my life, maybe right now, I'm driven to finish the job of getting to the big leagues or graduate college, which I've done, right? I finished college. I finished my college career at Washington in Omaha. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've been drafted. I, I, you know, I finished that goal. I checked that off. You know, that's more of where my drive comes from. And then uh, with belief, uh, I'm a pretty religious guy, and so my faith, you know, is is very intertwined with my everyday life and uh 
you know, that mental training of believing in something, having faith, believing something you can't see, right? It's the same thing as, as your, that your goals that you set out for yourself is like, man, I, I believe that I can get there if I, if I work hard enough, you know, and it, and these, these dreams or goals could be so far out there and so um, difficult to achieve, you know, what it seems like at first. But if you have that belief, then, you know, who knows what can happen. I love it. Nothing to hold you back. I love it. So, so what, what causes like stress for you? Stress? Yeah. (laughs) Like if if I was to say stress comes from, how would you, how would you answer that? Um, I would say I, I get stressed out when like obstacles get thrown in the way, I guess, of you achieving your goals or me achieving my goals, I guess it's, it's a, um, it's a hard thing to deal with stress, but as, as, as better you are at eliminating it, I guess the more success you'll have. So and I'm sure you guys have talked about that before yeah. being a master of your mindset podcast, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think stress is, is or like worrying fear. about injury okay, or, you know, that's a setback. Mm-hmm. Stress can be things that will set you back like, like injury or, um, Maybe you're having a hard time in class, like you're in a in a real difficult class and it's taking all of your mental energy to go to class, to study, and then you show up to the baseball field and you have to be able to switch, flip that switch. Mm-hmm. And that can be stressful sometimes because your mind is so caught up in, you know, the challenges of life outside of baseball. Yeah. Right. And uh, so what I'm hearing from you is like, do you have very many fears as an athlete? Like when you're hitting up to bat or playing shortstop? for a big program and do you have fears when you're playing like stress or fear when you're out there or is it just like I'm loosey goosey. I, I love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, baseball, it's a game of failure. Mm-hmm. So you're not wrapping around your validation on an outcome, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to understand, you know, cause I remember I was always stressed, man. Like I just mm-hmm. did not have the, the mindset skills and training to like deal with some of those emotions. Right. So I'm trying to like, let's just, I'm trying to understand from you, you've had a lot of success. I mean, you've, I mean, no offense, you've overachieved. I mean, you're very skilled. <laughs> like you're very skilled. Like you have like natural ability, but like just hearing from Coach Weiss, other people that know you, like nobody outworks Levi, like no one. Like he is a great teammate. He's a grinder. He's a high energy, high effort guy. Um, so I'm trying to understand like if you would have a fear as a performer, did you have one? I try not to. And like you said, it's the it's the it's the other side of it where you have to play loose and play like you're having fun because you're in love with the game. Yeah. Um, when I coach these kids here at New Level, I, I tell them often. I say you can't play with fear. You can't play afraid to make an error mm-hmm. you, because the moment your mind gets to that position, it's game over for you. you you've already lost if you're yeah. if you have any sort of fear when you play the game. Um, I think that translates to life, too. Yeah. I think. Um, you go through life with, you know, the fear of failure and the fear of making a mistake. Um, those are more prone to happen. And, um, I agree. You know, I, I learned that again at a young age. My, my family raised me that way to not have fear, um, sort of trust in the, the system and in the way of life. And, um, so why are, why are kids so stressed though? If you look at anxiety, one out of three teens has anxiety. Just a natural deal. I think mm-hmm. athletes are kind of more prone to it. Why are a lot of people rapping 
kind of like this. Do you get nervous when you play golf, man? I know you. <laughs> I, well, well, a nerve nerves are different than fear, yeah. right? And and, yeah. and athletes will experience nerves. Like I'm yeah. playing in front of twenty five thousand people in my life is the utmost nerve yeah. area. You know, like like you're gonna deal with with those type of emotions. Those, mm-hmm. but it's it's separating that from fear. Like you can't be afraid of that. You have to love that. Yeah, you have to love that pressure. You know. Yeah. Like you, I, I think the best athletes in the world live for that. They live to play in pressure situations. And I yeah. think if you sat down with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, they would tell you the same thing. They would say, I don't want to play in a 30 to three football game. I want to play in a 21 to 17 game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like I love that pressure. And so do I. And so should you. Mm-hmm. And we should all love that yeah. pressure. Yeah. So it's kind of been able to mentally separate nervousness and fear. So nervousness is just a natural emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's our, our body's way to, you know, look at danger, look at threats, but really we're not being chased by tigers anymore. Right. So it's like allowing that energy to like serve you. Mm-hmm. Get those butterflies in alignment yeah, and say, it's, it's just, them. it's just a part of like being an athlete performer. Like you can use that to hold you back or use it to, to, to feel you forward. And that's how you've kind of looked at it. Like when your heart rate elevates, right. when you, you kind of starts getting, you know, some butterflies, like, mm-hmm. okay, now it's a signal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use this for, for power. Would that's you right. say that's kind of similar to what, what you're, you're right saying? on with that? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So we're, we're, we're sitting down with Levi Jordan, 2014 Washington state for a baseball state champion. Maybe walk us through that season. Cause we had coach Weiss together high school. High school yeah. Okay. So maybe like that's a that was Coach yeah. Weiss's first championship, yep. mm-hmm. and he coached three years later yeah. and got another one. Yeah. But kind of walk us through what that team was like, what that culture was like, how you guys won. The culture started my freshman year. I um, in high school, my freshman year, I learned from the upperclassmen what it was like to play baseball at Puyallup, and it was like you said, it was a culture. Like yeah. <laughs> it was like nothing I had ever been a part of, and. So for the next three years, I guess I grew up in that system with guys teaching me to play hard, play with a chip on your shoulder, right? And my junior year, 2013, I guess it would be, um, I think we went 25-2 and two or something, some ridiculous record. We were number one in the state for a long time and lost in the first round of the playoffs to a, to a team that we had mercy ruled earlier in the season. <laughs> and we lost that game because we were looking too far ahead. We're like, okay, we we can, we got this weekend. We'll just clean these guys up, move on, go to state, whatever, right? But we looked too far ahead and ended up dropping that first game. And most teams after a twenty-five and two or three season would be like, great season, you know, right? Like we did awesome, but we were we were upset, and and we went to our end of the year banquet in. Uh, I, you know, I forget. It was a couple weeks later, but our team gathered and we were celebrating the season. And Mark Weiss stood up in front of the families and in front of all his players. And he said, next year, we will be the best team in the history of this program. And he quoted our record. He said, we will go 28-0 and win a state championship. He said that the year before, so in 2013. And we looked around, right? All those players looked around and we said, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah. But Mark was serious. Mark Weiss was serious. He he wasn't joking. And for the next eight months before the next high school season started, we trained like that. You know, every lift we had during the week in the off season, 
it was like that. The mindset was, was, um, question. you know, just, it was, sorry. No, no we, okay. hey, we got Facebook live. So we have people commenting. So oh, right on, is, right is, is there a question? Cool. So yeah, we, um, we, we trained like that all off season and the season started and, um, you know, that thought never, that idea never left my mind. Like, man, we're, mm -hmm. we're really about to go 28. No, win state championship. <laughs> but you guys had, so, you guys had talent though, right? We had dudes, you know, we had, like you had I arms, think it was eight, you had some, we had eight division one players on that team. So it was a little unfair for us. <laughs> there were, well, to put it into context, let's see four that, cause I guess Chris was on the team, right? He, he wasn't even on he the team okay. that year. No. So there were three of the players on that team were in Omaha last year with Levi. That's right. Yes. And we actually got together and hung yeah. out with, with uh, uh -huh. Mark Weiss because he was there. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so we're, uh, I think we were 24 and O uh -huh. at one point. Actually, let's back it up. We're, we're at game 15, I think in league still playing Graham Kapowson and they throw their guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, shoot, I remember, I forgot his name, but, and we had our guy going, right? So his mm -hmm. pitchers duel until the seventh inning, scoreless. Yeah. yeah. And um, pretty close game, and, and I, I don't know, it was some energy in the dugout that made us believe that there was no, there was no doubt that we were going to lose the game. Like, yeah. or like, you know, we were going to win the game. Yeah. There was no doubt in our minds that, like, they were going <laughs> to somehow beat us. Or, yeah. Anyways, um Bottom seven, our like eight hole hitter walks uh -huh. up, Zach Needham. Yeah. First pitch, walk off home. <laughs> off of their Love dude, it. right? And yeah. so we're going crazy. We celebrate, you know, big win against a team that we should have beat by more, but it's yeah. just it's baseball, right? Yeah. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce exactly. Right. Um another story from that season was uh we played Auburn Mountain View in Safeco. We played a game of Safeco mm -hmm. every oh, week, which I think they still do that. Or yeah. Yep. Anyways, um they were up four or five runs mm -hmm. in Safeco and they <laughs> they pull all their starters to put their seniors in to you know just to let them play in yeah. in Safeco one more time and we kind of did the same thing and our we struggled to score some runs at the beginning and so I remember thinking at that point like oh well it was a good it was a good run but I think <laughs> we're gonna drop this one um turns out one of our senior relievers Tim Reynolds throws for the next four innings of like shutout baseball just mows him down and he hadn't he wasn't you know, in the rotation all year. And we end up scoring five or six runs to win it uh, later in the game. So another scare, but it was just. So maybe, maybe if you can summarize what you learned from that experience from, well, when, from, both from, from, games. from when we six basically said it just prophetically, right. we like to say, speak what you seek and then right. see what you said exactly. to speak it into existence. But like, yeah. what'd you learn from that experience? I just learned that, um, where there's a where there's a will there's a way i guess if that makes sense like he um demanded it out of he demanded a certain level of energy out of us which is what we rallied behind i don't think it was the record that drove us um and back to your equation i think the belief was there right i think we believed that we could be the best team in the nation um i don't know if you asked every guy on that team before the season started if they believed we would go 28 no but we all believed that nobody was going to stop us from winning the state championship. I love and it. So um, we were we were all similar players and teammates. We had grown up playing select ball together, and mm -hmm. a lot of us were best friends. And it was just a great season for us to uh, sort of take the program to the next level That's and so get true. Marcus first. And, and being a, a Piave alumni, 
that we had some good <laughs> we had some good teams too, but we you know didn't quite get there. We went to state, you know, we yeah. just we, just, we didn't get done. Now let's talk about the transition from being a high school player. Did you get some offers? How'd you make the choice to go to UW and then maybe explain your kind of journey? Sure. And obviously ending as a senior going to, to Omaha. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so no offers out of high school. I was, I had actually signed with uh, Edmonds Community College. I signed a letter of intent with them to play, but I knew. Who, who was I the would, coach? Scott Kelly. Scott okay. Kelly was the coach, I think. Uh, anyways, okay. I. Uh, signed a letter of intent with them back in February, but I explained to him, I said, you know, if, if it comes down to me playing CC ball, I, I think I'll be done with baseball. I don't think I'm going to continue my baseball career if I, I'm going to junior college because I am committed to an education. I want to, I wanted to study civil engineering back then. So I, had applied to the University of Washington in, in November and was accepted in March. And I was accepted as a direct admin into the civil engineering program. So once I got that, I was like, okay, this is probably a sign I need to go start studying and I need to walk away from baseball. And so um, I made that clear to the coaches I had talked to. I, I talked to a few division three schools about playing football and baseball. Um, Hold on. PLU he was, was one he of was, them. QB, he was a stud QB. I mean, we no, wide receiver. Oh, you were, yeah, you're right. You're so right. we were talking Brandon like was dual QB. sport. Yeah, come on, football. <laughs> yeah, I, so so I played. I played the, the Vikes are in the. We're and doing well are, in football this year. They anyway, are killing it. You kind of digress. Okay, okay, so keep keep going. <laughs> yes. So uh, about March, I had sort of unofficially committed to the University of Washington to go study and mm-hmm. be done with sports, and. Um, it was hard for me because I knew I was better than some of the players I had seen get offers from school, schools around the nation, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was hard because I felt like I deserved a chance somewhere, but nobody was giving that to me. So, um, yeah, kind of separated myself from baseball, enjoyed the state championship that we won. And then June came around and. I had been in contact with the University of Washington baseball coaches since I was a little bit younger, but they didn't have any money left. They didn't really have a spot. So the draft happened um, in early June. And at the time, their second baseman was a junior and he got drafted in the 38th round and they didn't think he was going to sign. They thought he would be one of those players that you know gets drafted, but comes back for one more yeah. year. So he ends up signing to the Cubs actually. And um, runs off and plays with them that summer, which meant a spot opened up on the roster at UW. And so two days later, I get a call from um, Coach Jason Kelly at University of Washington. And he said, hey, great news, man. We got a spot open up for you if you want it. We'll we'll guarantee you a spot on our 35-man roster for next year. And I said, absolutely, of course. Like, (laughs) I'll come. Um, and how late? This is summer. This spring? is end of June, and and were you playing summer ball though? Yeah, I was. So playing, playing for, summer, I was playing for the stars, and just kind of juggling. Do I keep playing? Or not? You right. kind of mentally I, said, I knew, "I'm kind of done," and I knew I wanted to play through the summer. Yeah, but after that, it would have been, you know, this is it. That's wild. Let's go study. So, uh, pretty crazy how it all happened, and yeah, yeah. So this was June, and all of a sudden I was, you know, motivated again to get back out on the field for another year. And uh, so, so what was the biggest adjustment? You know 
playing dominating in high school and playing in the Pac-12 conference, great pitching, great mm-hmm. talent up and down. So what, at w- what point, what was the, the biggest adjustment? At what point did you like really, hey, I'm a starter, I'm playing at a high level? Mm-hmm. So I, I had to fight for a starting spot uh, my first year at Washington. It was um, it was completely new to me, a different game. It was a lot faster, a lot more competitive. You know, in high school, you play on a team where there's usually a couple good players and you play against teams that have one or two good players. Um, but in college, like, everybody's yeah. a good player, like, <laughs> a really good player at that. And I was young and inexperienced. I didn't know a lot about college baseball. I was uneducated about how the season worked, how how you play three games a, a weekend. I was used to playing, like, Tuesdays and Fridays, and that was it in high school. But um, I absolutely fell in love with it the first day I stepped on campus. Like, we, we practiced, and, you know, I was driven. I had a I had a goal in mind to make the starting nine by the time spring came around, and um, it, it worked out nicely. We had a couple injuries, but uh, I guess – I guess I'm just being humble again. I it, like I earned that spot at second base, and I ended up starting 50-ish games my freshman year at second base. Didn't hit very well. Hit at the bottom of the order. Moved runners a lot. Bunted a lot. Um, but played really, really good defense. Made two errors all year uh, in like 160 chances. So uh, yeah, it was a good year. And like like you said, the transition was it was brand new to me, but I fell in love with it instantly. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a a challenge thing, I guess. I wasn't afraid. It was more of, man, I, I really love this. I could do this for a long time. Yeah, so. I love it. And maybe uh, maybe share one or two more stories about playing in, in college. And maybe not everybody knows that. Like you said, mm-hmm. you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. And then you play maybe uh, Tuesday. on, on Tuesdays, yeah, someone someone lo- locally or right. something. Um, maybe just wa- wa- walk us through that experience. Maybe some highs or, or lows that, mm-hmm. that you experience. Yeah, so sort of a a brief summary of my four-year career, we weren't very good my freshman year, but there were some solid players on our team that I learned a lot from, some older guys. Braden Bishop was one of them. He was a third-rounder to the Seattle Mariners. Um, and a solid, uh, solid player who taught me a lot. He, he was very involved with uh, his mom, who had early-onset Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So he started a foundation called Four Mom which was really cool for me to see how he took his baseball platform and, and, you know, took that world and that, and that crowd to raise awareness for his mom and for everybody who's suffering from early onset Alzheimer's. So uh, that was pretty cool for me. He, he acted like a big brother to me and and taught me the ropes of how to play college baseball. So um, that was freshman year. And moving on to sophomore year, I actually ended up, on the bench at the start of the season, which confused me um, and hindered my relationship with my coach at the time, because I understood that, you know, the, if you produce one year, you ought to be in there the next year. Right. But um, he had a a high recruit come in who, you know, had the numbers in high school to sort of put him in the starting position already. And that, that bothered me. And so I had to work even harder to, fight back into the lineup. I got a couple pinch hit at bats for the first month of the season and, you know, kept getting hits, kept producing and 
eventually gave my coach no choice but to put me at second base. And what, what, and what was that experience like? Not not playing and having to like you only have so few chances to make it happen to get a chance to get the confidence to come back in. Fight or flight, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if if you if you don't relish in those opportunities and you you know don't don't get hits or you don't play good defense then you're going to find yourself on the bench your your options not options your the amount of chances you get are very limited like right. you don't a coach won't keep putting you out there if you're not giving him anything he can go to his next option and that's the beauty of college baseball is is there's like i said earlier everybody's good mm-hmm. everybody's good enough to play it's just about who wants to fight for that position yeah. who wants to who, who wants it more you know mm-hmm. who's tough enough to work through the adversity and find your way into that starting spot. And and I think what set me apart was that I wanted it more than the guy next to me. Is and, is that nature or is that nurture for you? Are you just wired that way? I, or, I, it, or must, you, it must be the wired, the yeah. wiring. I, I, well, I mean, what are you guys like? Are you, are you, I don't know, you know, man. if you really reflect on yourself, like, like you said, is, is that, did you develop that somewhere? Did somebody teach you that? Or do you have this drive deep in you that like, well, doing the, doing this podcast and authoring books and being like a mindset coach, like I'm, that was not instilled. Like I wasn't born with it. Like I Mm -hmm. built this Mm -hmm. because of like some struggles I went through and I wanted to like help other people through those, those things. So I wouldn't, I I built this. I think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think mine was a little bit like being raised up, just mm-hmm. always wanting to be better. Um, but a little bit of also myself, um, setting goals for myself and stuff like that. So so what was the culture shift to transform your program to be top eight in the nation? Like what happened? So, yeah, moving on from sophomore year, we finished that year. We actually made a regional that year. In, uh, we went to Nashville, Tennessee, played at Vanderbilt, had a really cool – Walk-off, not walk-off win, but late-inning comeback win against Vanderbilt, which was a lot of fun. And, and, and you had Coach Travis Jewett was an assistant at Vanderbilt, and he really? was an assistant at UW years before. Anyway, just a little yeah. So that, that, <laughs> side note. That little squad that went to Vanderbilt, um, when we went to Omaha a couple years later, there were kids from that team. So we knew what it was like to play in a regional. Mm-hmm. And, like, we explained that to some of the young guys. We said, hey, like, like you make it to a regional – and baseball changes like it's not it's not just everyday baseball anymore now it's like you lose you go home and so we you know we got to fight and we didn't do well in that regional we we won one game but lost two and we were kind of upset we weren't we weren't built to be an Omaha team that year you know I don't even know if we were built to be an Omaha team this last year but um anyways this this Omaha run we made was special and I think what got us there was the team chemistry we shared we had an incredible group of guys that came together halfway through the season. At one point we were 18 and 18 and unranked halfway, you know, in the standings for pac 12, 18, 18, what year? Eight. When you were a sophomore or a senior, this, this Omaha run, this year. You guys were eight, you were 500. We're like, 500 halfway through the season. I, well, yeah, I remember. That's more, 18, 18 is more than halfway. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like 50 some games. It's like games. three fifths away. Into yeah. And I remember like, it, it was like the last weekend and like your series was like if Oregon state were to lose like right, one right, game right. and you guys swept, like you won the PAC 12 championship. Yeah. And I was like, what? So, like, so where eight, did, 18 and 18, yeah. we lose a midweek game, a Tuesday game to uh, one of the worst RPI teams in the country. 
Like they were in the two hundreds. UT Rio Grande Valley. They flew up for they a, flew a midweek, midweek game? game because huh. a lot of a lot of small teams will do that just to like to get the experience, right? And to play like At good Washington teams. State, we didn't have teams like that. We played like <laughs> the Zags, the Gonzaga every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, well, we played Seattle U every other Tuesday, yeah. so it's like that in the Northwest. Anyways, um, we lose that game five three on a Tuesday, and our coach pulls us out in the center field to howl at us, right? And I forget his message. But I do remember him saying one thing, and he said, "Like I, I'm, I'm just done with you guys. Like I, I'm going to turn this whole thing over to you guys. You know, you you won't do what we ask you to do. You won't, you know, you won't play hard. This doesn't matter enough to you. You don't care about it. Mm-hmm. And whether he meant that or not, it's it. You know, lit a fire in our hearts, I guess, uh, to come together and rally as a team." to almost play in spite of our coach, I guess if that makes sense. We said, okay, he's given up on us. So we're going to make the rest of the season about us. Wow. And, and and we did that. And and I have no disrespect for, for coach Megs. And, and in all honesty, he probably did that knowing that we would rally together, you know, as, as a coaching maneuver. But um, so did you guys talk together as a team? So, right. It? So the coaching staff leaves yeah. and we came together as a team and a couple of us captains, myself, um, KJ Brady, Joe Waynehouse, Alex Hardy. We stood there in the center circle and we said, we don't need him. Okay. So forget him, whether he's trying to motivate us or not, this is going to be about us and I'm going to make you better. You're going to make me better. We're going to make each other better. And for the rest of the year, we're just going to have fun. Win or lose or draw. We're just going to have fun. We're going to, we're going to play, we're going to play each game, loving each other, loving the game, and not worrying about the score. And from yeah. that point on, we we go like eight series wins in a row, sweep Utah. <laughs> and the last weekend, like you were saying, yeah. T, is, is we're playing Stanford on the bubble for the postseason. So we're one of the teams that's like right at the 64 RPI mark and the top 64, well, 64 teams make it. Some teams in the top 64 don't make it because they, like, lose their conference or whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, we're right there on the on the cusp. We're at, like, 66 mm-hmm. going in, playing Stanford, who was then ranked the number one team in the nation, right? Because they had – They're always good. They're always good, and, and yeah. Oregon State was, like, right behind them at two or something. Yeah. So, we're playing Stanford, and it was, it was funny to us because we thought, man, look at the position we're in. From where we were at 18 and 18, <laughs> here we are playing Stanford with a chance to make the postseason – and if we somehow sweep, we win the Pac-12. If <laughs> yeah. UCLA can take one game from Oregon State. Uh-huh. So we win Friday on, um, you know, they throw their they throw their guy. We threw our guy, and we win big time. Uh, I, I went off. I had a homer and a double and another yeah. single and a bunch of RBIs. Uh-huh. Um, it was pretty cool. I, it was the first inning, and we – of that Friday night game, we get two runners on and next time two guys get out. So we had two outs runners on first and second, I think. And I came up and I went first pitch Homer to right. <laughs> and we score three runs and then they get out of the inning. The next day on Saturday, we're up a game. Same thing. First inning. First two guys get on, on like a walk and a base hit. And our three hitter hits a Homer to left center. And we go up three zero again, which was insane. Yeah. It just, like when you score in the first inning against a number one team in the nation, like they just deflate, yeah. right? Especially when you get them exactly. at home. And like we were playing because they haven't played from behind a lot, probably. Well, that and just it's devastating to give up three yeah. in the first, you know. Yeah. And and it 
and it gives the home team all this energy where it's like now our pitcher is out there like with all this confidence yeah. in the world he has a three-run cushion so he can throw strikes guys will put the ball in play but was your mindset and kind of mantra and focus back to that meeting you guys had in center field when you were 18 18 we're gonna love each other we're gonna have fun. have fun. And we have no fear of failure. We're just going to go after it. And that's what we were doing. Did that, but did it you was, feel that? Did everybody feel that, that yeah, energy and that focus? Of course. And everybody bought into that too. Like that's, that's the hard thing about college baseball is you get a group of 35 guys and you have a, you have a team attitude in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult to get 35 individuals to buy into one concept. Yeah. 35 guys. Like, Imagine an office building where you're you're working on a team of 35 people trying to accomplish one thing. Somebody is is not bought in. You know, somebody is not quite fully engaged into what the team is trying to accomplish. But what we had was that was 35 guys at, bought at, into at Washington State. We had other. a very similar experience in, in football. Right. My freshman year, we won three games. Sophomore, won four games. We, we lost three games in overtime, mm-hmm. two last second. We had the talent to win. We just didn't mm-hmm. fully buy in together. That summer, we had a players-only meeting, just like what you guys had, mm-hmm. basically saying guys aren't showing up to workouts, guys aren't fully committed. Either be engaged and committed mm-hmm. totally or just we don't want you on our team. Like We had this like team meeting, right. just like you said, and then we went 10 wins, 10 wins, 10 wins. Right. And it was all player-led. <laughs> yeah. Completely player-led. So, so how, why, why don't leaders allow their players yeah. to do more of that type of stuff? Because they don't – have some of the leaders to really pull it through Mm -hmm. you know what what, what do you think i think it's different when you're a player a younger player like a freshman for example you respond to a head coach and a a captain a player captain differently like me personally i would listen to a senior four-year starter captain before i would listen to a coach like you got to do what the coach says right you got to give him enough to get in the starting lineup because he's writing the the lineup card, right? Yeah. But I will buy into what the senior captain is saying because he knows what success is like in the program. You know what I mean? Like he's been and, through and, and it. And he's he, he's walking your shoes. And he's more relatable, right? Because he's yeah. been through it. Yeah. And and maybe coach has been through it, but 30 years ago, you know, and yeah. it, the game has changed since then. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's been through it and it's just hard to relate to him because he's so much older than you, I guess. So did you guys sweep Stanford? So... <laughs> We win Saturday and then come back Sunday on senior day. And the Oregon State UCLA game was like right before ours. And we saw that UCLA had won. And so we're like, hey guys, like if we win this game against Sanford right now, we win the Pac 12. <laughs> and and we were we were jazzed about that. And um we threw our our best pitcher, our horse, Joe Demirs. He went out for nine innings, was like ridiculously efficient, like had 80 pitches for nine innings or something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah. It was getting everybody out. Mm-hmm. We had a two-run lead going into the ninth, bottom of the ninth, and we we trusted him. We threw him back out there, and he just got tired and you know, left a couple balls up. They ended up tying the game. I think we went into one inning of extra innings game or of, of the game, and uh, they ended up scoring one, and, and they beat us by one. But um, it was kind of sad, but at the same time, we had – we had showed the country yeah. that we were good enough to make the postseason. Like, but yeah. taking two out of three yeah. from the number one and team in the nation is good enough to, to get us yeah. in. Yeah. That next Monday was the selection show they do on ESPN, which was pretty cool. So our whole team sat up in our, we call it the Omaha room. It's right above our locker room. And there were, you know, news stations there with videos on us. And mm-hmm. 
That's there's, fine. A, there's a pretty cool video on Twitter. I would have to dig for, but uh, yeah, it's a, it just, your name pops up in the bracket and mm-hmm. you see it pop up and see where you're going. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. went wild. So yeah. that's, and, that's uh, a great story. Man. Yeah. They Congratulations. Us. Thank you. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. And that moment, I guess that mm-hmm. uh, sigh of relief yeah. was, was really cool. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we finished, you know what I mean? We, so we were there. As we're kind of wrapping things up, talk about the, having to adjust to the, the highest level, being being a, a pro, drafted, mm-hmm. leaving college, to where you're with people from all over the country or other other parts of the world, really. Right. So t- talk about what you've had to go through this summer to to be at, at that at that stage, yeah, and, and level. Like, what did you learn? What would you carry from for success? How it's been different, hard. So same as going from high school to college, the game just changes. You know, it speeds up more players there's there's a more dense population of really good players you know you go from high school where there's a couple to college where it's most of them and now you're in pro ball where it's like everybody's like stupid good you know (laughs) yeah and which is cool to say that i'm included in that Mm because that's kind of saying i'm pretty good yeah and that's a confidence builder so anyways (laughs) um first month with the cubs they sent me to arizona to get some medical things taken care of, sign some papers, sign my contract and play in the Arizona rookie league for a couple weeks, which was cool. But it was, like I said, so much different than college ball. Mm-hmm. Like I had to adapt so fast. Wait, are you playing short second? Uh, all three infield positions. So okay. I played third, short and second for most of the summer. But anyways, in Arizona, um, you know, you learn to adjust and you learn to, pick up the the frequencies of professional baseball and mm-hmm. adapt to a wood bat and, yeah. you know, get used to playing on Grass, fields every day filter. instead of field turf, right? Yeah. And, and that was an adjustment for me. And some players don't have to do that. Like if in you know, California, Arizona, right. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere dry, but yeah. So uh, I had to adjust to those things. And the challenge was to not get caught up in, the mental side of that, mm-hmm. but just to get back to loving the game, you know, fall fall back in love with the game, even though it's changed, right? Um, not to get away from the fact that it's the same 90 feet to first base. It's the same 60 feet, six inches away from the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same game I've been playing my whole life. So even though it changed, it, it just has to be the mindset of I've been in love with this game since I was a little kid and, and – you know, here I am just playing for another team. I love it. So as we wrap up, this is probably my last question. You can think of your last question. Okay. What mindset skills have you had to use to achieve success that we can share that have allowed you to, to be a, you're, you're a champion? I mean, mm-hmm. you're a flat out winner. Mm-hmm. So what skills mentally have you had to use? If you can pick three that are. I don't know if I can do three. I can do a couple. I can do a couple. Yeah. One to three. Okay. Um, number one, be a finisher in life. Like I explained earlier in the podcast, it's it starts in in school, right? It translates to the weight room. It translates to your job. It translates to relationships with your parents, with your siblings, with your significant others, um, with friends, right? If you're a finisher, then the harder it gets to finish a certain task, your brain has already overcome that. Your brain has already told yourself like, no matter what happens, I need to finish this. Like I need to 
I need to finish this homework. I need to finish studying tonight so I can pass the test tomorrow. I need to finish this rep in the weight room because not because it's going to make me significantly stronger, but because it's training my brain to finish the task that I'm doing. Yeah. Right. How annoying is it for people when you ask somebody to do something for you? Yeah. And they, they do it 75%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like like that's, that's not, you're not doing me any good and you're not doing you any good. Right. You're not, they're not finishing the task and it's, Mm -hmm. it's hurting you and it's hurting me. Right. And friendships too. Like, like Tanner and I are good friends. Right. And you, you take care of that, that relationship by finishing conversations or by finishing, um, you know, finishing a a job, you a favor you asked yeah. me to do, right? That'll maintain our relationship. So I think finishing it's it's a great skill to develop, and it's like easy, you know, like you you are in control of finishing. Yeah, yeah. you are being credible with yourself, right? Yeah, you're gonna so, follow through with what you say you're gonna do. Yeah, and then so I'm just gonna find a way. I love yeah. that one. So um, another 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 great mental skill I think that you can learn to develop is to be. Uh, a person who's full of gratitude, right? Like, you're, come on, you're gi- come on, you're given. So now he's much speaking my language. <laughs> I love that. Seriously, you're, you're I, come on. Yeah. You're given so much in life, so it's it's only fair for you to just return that. Yeah, right. Like if if you get an opportunity to play baseball in college, mm-hmm. be thankful about that. Not everybody gets to yeah, do that. Exactly. Not yeah. everybody gets to be drafted by the Cubs. You know, mm-hmm. like how how thankful am I? To have that opportunity. You're drafted yeah. by Theo Epstein. Right. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And he's a big deal. And 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 it's it's a big deal to have that that attitude of of gratitude, right? Yeah. Attitude was was that, that taught to you by your parents, by your by your pastor? Like who where'd you learn about that? Gratitude, yeah, I guess I was raised that way. I was raised to always be a thankful person. I you know, even in college that was that was a, something we learned to do is to be thankful for yeah. for what we were given and that's um, good. And to re- the, the, another way you can show gratitude and thankfulness is to, when you're given an opportunity, is to work hard. Yeah. And back to my first point is to finish, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's a way for me to show my coach that I'm thankful he put me on the team. Or I'm, I'm, I'm showing him my gratitude of putting me in the starting lineup by not letting it go and working as hard as I can to show him that mm-hmm. I own that spot, right? Yeah. And I, I do have... Uh, a third thing, I forget what it is now. Um, <laughs> oh, toughness. Yeah. Just mental toughness. And we, we, you guys talk about that all the time. Any mental coach will talk about mental toughness. Mm-hmm. But you got to be able to shed off the temptations in life yeah. of, um, of fear, mm-hmm. right? You got to be tough enough to deal with fear. You got to be tough enough to, to not let nerve fall on the fear side, but on the on the side energy. Of, of energy, right? That yeah. it creates mm, energy. I'm, I have you. a visual now of like, you know what I mean? Nerves. So which yeah. are you going to give the power to? Right. It branches Fear off in two directions. Energy. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that nervousness, wherever, whatever direction it, it goes, whatever direction mm-hmm. you let it go, it's going to be an intense amount of energy fueling yeah. that certain thing. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be deathly afraid of life. You're going to be deathly afraid of, of, of failure if you let it get to that point. Yeah. But if you let it go the other way, like you can accomplish oh, yeah. a lot of things in life. Yeah. Okay. So last question. So our next episode is about being clutch. So what's your definition? Like, what would you say being clutch is? Mm-hmm. And then what's like, 
what's your mindset in when you're in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and you're up to bat and it's a tie game? Like what's Yeah. So <laughs> with baseball it's it's sort of easy to it's not easy to be close. <laughs> it's, it's it's you know when you step up to the plate in the mm-hmm. bottom of the ninth with two outs and runners on and you're yeah. down one, you know that chances are like the odds are stacked against you. Yeah. The chances of you getting a hit and getting the job done mm-hmm. aren't great. You know, simply yeah. put. And that's why that's where this clutch term comes from, mm-hmm. right? Is somebody who's able to defeat the odds, right? And get that hit and mm-hmm. score the two runs and win the game for your team. That's clutch. And I watched the World Series this this fall and noticed that one of the best hitters all season, Mookie Betts, yeah. had a hard time in the World Series. Mm-hmm. He had a hard time hit, getting hits and, and being clutch, right? Yeah. But then you look at a guy like Pierce, right? And he wins mm-hmm. he wins the MVP of yeah. the World Series, right? And yeah. he's a guy that most people haven't even heard of. Exactly. He's an older guy, mm-hmm. right? But he's he was clutch yeah. in the sense that he was able to block his mind from his his failures in the in the mm-hmm. regular season, right? He was able to eliminate the expectation. Yeah. Right? When when he steps up to the plate, they think, well, this guy's like not great, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't think that. Yeah. He believed in himself. Exactly. That, that the moment was now. Mm-hmm. The moment had nothing to do with uh previous at bats or yeah. things that had happened in the past. Right. And I think being clutch is having that mental toughness, that mental strength to ignore what's happened before Mm -hmm. and and be a present minded person. Yeah. Right. The, the more present minded you are, the better chance you have to be clutch in those moments. Mm -hmm. So you're amazing, dude. Yeah. So, so, so proud of you. Yeah. Congratulations on a great run. And I'm excited to follow you with the Cubs for sure. And I want to give people where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) like if you if you oh, want yeah. to follow you and uh yeah just um yeah you can contact me i'm on twitter i'm on instagram just what's your what's your handle levi jordan <laughs> it's pretty simple yeah twitter um i think it's like jordan underscore levi and instagram is just at levi jordan so they can find you like the kid from the world series i know yeah <laughs> so yeah no please find me and reach out to me if you're um needing help or you know want to master your mindset and you know, I guess you can you can relay people to me too if you yeah. need to or let's do it. You know, we'll be in touch too. So thanks for having me out. Yeah, seriously. Thanks for coming. And- hey guys, awesome stuff. Hey, the body has limits, but the mind is limitless. Peace out, guys.